Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Hani. Hi, Hani, compulsive overeater. Hi, Hani. Um, um, thank you so much, David, for asking me to speak. And I just want to say that definitely these are just my opinions and my experience of OA, and I do not represent OA as a whole. Um, what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. So what it was like was I couldn't get enough food ever. There was never enough food. Um, my, my main thing is a compulsive eater. I just really like eating. <laughs> um, I hope I'm not alone in that. I find food to be fantastic. Um, what it was like was I grew up being told that my body needed to look a certain way. So when you combine really liking the way food tastes with a body needing to look a certain way and you put those two together, then there's a little bit of a, um, explosion. And what I like to call it sometimes is the Mentos experiment when they stuck a Mentos in a, the, the Coke bottle. That explosion is sort of, um, that was what it was like with me and food. And there was a constant battle between shame and perfectionism. I don't know if anyone here can relate, but that seems to be the combo for me is thinking I'm supposed to do this perfectly, and at the same time thinking I'm the, the biggest piece of crap in the world. And that's just that explosion happening again. So um, I was a big eater. We're allowed to talk about food, right? Love bread. Love crunchy. You, I can't get enough crunchy. So if, there's, if there are feelings ever, my natural state is a bed and food. So the fact that I'm in an outfit right now and I have my hair up, and I'm in boots, and I'm walking, and I'm at this meeting, is a miracle. Basically, I'm a fish out of water, the fact that I'm not in bed right now and eating. Um, and it was like that for years. I was, I've been in programs since 1998, I think. And I've been abstinent for over 16 years. And um, so you can imagine, so it was the first half of my life, basically, <clears throat> was eating, was eating and hiding and lying and sneaking and eating and strategizing how I'm going to get more food. And then it turned into the dieting of how do I get rid of this thing that I just lied about and ate and snuck and made up stories and hoarded and put behind pillows on the couch and put under the bed and put into drawers. That's what it became about for years. And... um and I know we all have our own private stories, but we basically do the same thing. We kind of all, that's my opinion. We all have the same sort of mix of perfectionism and then shame. And it's, um, so we will um, 
strategize perfectly, <laughs> I guess if that makes sense, sort of like plan and ruminate and strategize, and, um, and then there's this dark shame. So I had these years, ugh, these years of eating, um, years and years of eating, and I had, you know, I'm sure a lot of you can relate the stage where people start saying, you need to stop eating so much, or you're starting to get fat, or haven't you had too many of that, and what are we going to do about honey, and, sorry, just saying hi, um, what are we going to do about this, and there are too many feelings, and too much shame, and not enough food in the world to fix it, so, um, then began the dieting. So then begins the sort of, now I'm going to do something about this. Okay, so people tell me I need to look a certain way. Now I'm going to start figuring this out. And then kicks in the real animal. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to diet. So then I started dieting, doing lots of things like turkey and ketchup for a year straight. Um, uh, what else? Oh, my God. It's the cabbage soup diet in the 90s. It was huge. The, um, the lemon pep, lemon water cayenne pe- I mean, there's so many. There's so many. And um, we don't mention outside entities. I, I made up my own diets. I mean, it was just basically, honey, you need to lose weight. You are ugly and you are fat. Figure it out. And so I would go on this diet and I would kind of lose weight for like, you know, maybe I would think I was losing weight for like a day or two, and then it was just an onslaught of binging. So um, there was one time that I would say that I was even remotely successful at dieting. That was at the height of my disease, and that was in 1996, and I think I lost like 10 pounds. That's like the height of my dieting career. I lost 10 pounds, and then um, I think it lasted... Six months. I remember being in the shower and I was like, oh my God, I'm, this is really happening. And I was like, I'm never going to eat again. I'm never going to be fat again. And then, yeah, then, I, then six months passed and I was binging my brains out. And um, I'm not being funny when I say binging my brains out. I know I look petite and I'm small. I really mean binging my brains out. Um, I was about 40 to 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And I, was, I would eat like an alcohol, the way they describe the alcoholic. Um, I would eat till they, my friends had to put me in a bed with a bucket next to me. That was, that was real. So, um, and we used to, in college, we thought it was cute. Um, actually not we, just me and this one friend. (laughs) And it was just the two of us and everyone else was not doing what we were doing and we used to say we're drunk on food and when we look I didn't bring photos but when you look at photos of us it looks like somebody ate both like it looks like we each ate ourselves and I'm not laughing at myself but I'm kind of like it's good for me to look at those photos because that is what I come from I, I know what I come from and I know where I could go so, hold on. Let me look at the time. Great. Okay. I'm done with what it was like. It was not fun. So, what happened? Um, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. I actually really did. And I said to a therapist, I want to die. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't know how to fix this thing. And she suggested that I go to Overeaters Anonymous. So, I, I went to this meeting called Serenity Sunday. And... Um, and just a side note, I remember in New York, 
calling 411. That's how long ago this was. There's a, there's a machine that you call. It's like called 411, and you ask for a phone number. And I called OA, and I don't know why I didn't go, but I, I didn't go, um, I don't think. And anyway, I went to Serenity Sunday, and I was this huge meeting, a lot of people, and there was this woman standing at the podium, really tall. I know her till this day, and she was talking about that today she eats with grace. And she was really beautiful energetically. You know, she, she was talking about how she eats with grace today. And I just remembered feeling like uh, I've, I've, I found, I've found a solution. I found some kind of solution. And I want, really wanted what she had. And even makes me emotional because I remember the day, I remember the moment when I saw what it looks like to not be doing this thing that I was doing. And um, and so what happened was uh, I did not have the struck abstinent moment that some people have. Um, it took me two years to get abstinent. Now, I know we have newcomers here. Do not run for the door. Um, it takes It's a quicker process for some and a longer process for others. And I actually gained weight in a way. But I have to say that... Um, it, the miracle, I didn't leave before the miracle happened for me. And things really are not on my time. They're, they really are on God's time. So I stuck around, and I did everything I was told to do. I went to sometimes three meetings a day, and I did step work, and I went to I did tons of outreach calls, and I was very of service. I'm a really good student. If you tell me, like, I need to do something, I, I really do it. And I couldn't get abstinent, so there was that stage where I was like, you're all lying to me, like, this is bull, like, this is not working. People were getting better, and I was still stuck doing the same thing, and the binges were getting harsher. They were getting angrier and meaner and really, like, 99 cents level mean, like, just um, really, like, it was just, like, bottom bottom barrel binging, and and I, um, I remember this one night, I left a meeting, because I always went to, I was a good girl, you know, I always went to a meeting right after a binge, I always made my calls, and this guy... This long-timer was coming out of the meeting, and he was always a source of uh, support. And I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. And he was just like, dude, you're just eating. Like, that's what's happening. You're just eating. You need to accept that that is what is happening right now. And there was something that happened in that moment where there was, I don't know, because this isn't science, because there's a spiritual part to this, I can't explain to somebody why I all of a sudden got abstinent right after that night. I can't, I can't tell somebody who calls me in tremendous pain who wants to stop binging. I can't say, like, do this, this, and then tomorrow you will be cleared for good. It just doesn't work that way with any addiction. But something about that guy being, like, looking at me with a lot of love and, and just care, saying, you're just eating. Like, you got to just accept that that's what you're doing. And, and the combination of a meeting the next day with a woman saying, no matter what, she doesn't beat herself up over anything she eats. I don't know why. It was 24 hours later that all of a sudden I was willing to eat on a food plan. And all of a sudden I understood the third step. And all of a sudden I was willing to not beat myself up no matter what I ate or thought about eating. It was like, poof. And I can't ever explain that to somebody else, how to hit that moment. Because we don't get to choose when we get that moment. And it's, it's a good connection to what it's like now. Because 
that's the whole basis of my program right now, imperfectly, is I don't really get to choose much. Um, my abstinence could kill you, and your abstinence could kill me. My food plan could be the worst idea in the world for you, and yours could be the worst idea in the world for me. So what it's like now is third step all day long, all night long, 24-7. It's, it's an experience to the best of my ability that I am owned by this power bigger than me. I am not running this show at all gladly. And the reason why I say that is, I mean, I don't know how it sounds when someone says, like, I don't run the show, and it sounds very esoteric, and it kind of sounds, like, too gray and vague. I mean it literally. I don't mean it um, metaphorically. So when I get up, and I do it imperfectly, but, okay, when I was driving here, I'm coming from Koreatown, for example. So this is what it's like right now. I was coming from Koreatown. I gave myself plenty of time to get here to find parking and everything. But it's Brentwood. I don't know Brentwood. I'm here once every 10 years. The last time I was here was when I spoke at this meeting in 2009. So I don't know Brentwood. I don't, you know, I don't know my way around. And I was like, this is me in the car doing the 12th step, doing the thir third step. You own me. You own this car. You own my body. You own my future. You want me to show up at this thing on time? I'll get there on time. You want me to show up late? I'll get there late. Whatever you want me to say today, you'll have me say. My, my work in progress of a life looks like that. It's like when I get scared now today, I immediately, I get scared. I acknowledge it. Obviously, we're human. We're addicts. We get scared. And I, I stop and I recoil from it like as a hot flame, like they say in the big book. And then I say, my higher power, where do you want me? What do you want me doing? I'm a puppet. Just tell me where you want me. So I do that with food. And again, so as I said, I don't know what made that spiritual experience happen within that 24-hour period, but I didn't get it, and I definitely am not the one that's keeping it. So I could leave this meeting and all of a sudden decide that it's a great idea to have a binge tonight. Like, I have no control. The only thing that I get to do is show up, be of service, do what's put in front of me. And um, I have no control over any of it. And they say that the sixth and seventh step is sort of this miraculous experience because if we're, our defects of character are when we're trying to get anything, trying to get anything, trying to get better. Even me trying to get better is a defect of character because I'm forcing it, which is the same thing as a diet. So um, what it's like now is I can't even describe how good my life is right now. My, for years, it's been good. What it's like is incredible freedom with food. I love food still. Like I know I said in the beginning, I love food. I love food. I think it's awesome. I actually have incredible freedom with food. Um, I do do intuitive eating. I do eat, and I actually stop when I'm not hungry. I don't stop when I'm full. I stop when I'm not hungry. And no matter what I think about food or what I've done with food, I don't beat myself up. Um, I just talk about it, and I'm honest, and I share it, and then I move forward. So if I'm starting to feel kind of thick in the pants, you know, it ha like, my weight goes like, like that. it doesn't go like that. But my weight, my weight goes like that because I'm a human being. So there's days when that's how it goes, like, a, you know, we're organic. So 
if I'm feeling thick in the pants, the last thing I'm going to do is try and figure out how to lose a pound. That is the last thing, by the grace of God, I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go, whoa, and I'm going to step away from the fire, and I'm going to go to a meeting, and I'm going to tell somebody that I feel a little bit, you know, heavy today, and I'm going to go on my food plan. So, um, what are, where are we at? Right. 20 more, right? Okay, so I'll, then I'll describe the difference between abstinence for me and a food plan today. So, because a lot of people usually don't, they want to ask about that. So my abstinence is that I don't diet. That's my abstinence. Which means that no matter what, I don't try and manage, control, manipulate my body on any level. Um, that's done imperfectly. There's no black and white in my world anymore with this whole topic. That's a killer for me. Any kind of shame, that's a killer. Any kind of diet, I'm going to be 10 pounds heavier by the end of the week. Um, definitely. You put me on a cleanse, I'll be, I will be really big in about a, a week. Really big. Um, so my absence is imperfectly, one day at a time, over 16 years, I don't diet. And then this is how it goes for me. So life gets hard. I pick up a couple extra addictions. Throw them on my back, go to a couple more 12-step programs, boyfriends, love life, money, stress, family, health. Health is a really big one. I've battled with serious health stuff. So what do you do? Who doesn't want to eat crunchy, salty things and sweet things out of buckets at 12 o'clock at night in front of a television for two hours? I do. That's what I want to do. So what do you do? Well, I definitely don't try and stop that from happening. I definitely don't have the bulb, light bulb moment of like, I'm going to not do that again tomorrow. No, because of course I'm going to want to do that again tomorrow even more. What I do is I go on my food plan for a day. I call somebody and I say to them, I'm committing to you that I'm going on my food plan today. And I go on my food plan for 24 hours, and insanity comes in. And I ride the wave of those emotions or that addictive behavior or that mental obsession or the disease being super loud for 24 hours. Usually, immediately, it subsides, and then I'm back to my, my regular, joyful, wonderful experience of food. So that's how I kind of work my program. The food plan is literally one of the tools. It's a very special tool, a life-saving tool for me. I was probably on my food plan straight for almost two years in the beginning, but that's like when you break your leg. You have to have a cast. You're not going to start running after one day. You, you need a cast. So I had no – I was all broken bones when it came to food. So I needed to be on my food plan for almost like a couple of years. And when people ask me, well, how long and – what exactly, and, you know, whenever you talk to somebody who's working the program and they're, like, really confused, you know they're still kind of in their disease. Like, when they're like, I don't get it. Do I have, like, two scoops of this and one thing of that? And can I finish at 9 or can I eat again at, at 10, 15? Then you know that they're still, like, trying to figure it out. And that's always a good gauge for me, for myself, whenever I'm complicated, when things are complicated. That's the biggest ding, 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 ding barometer that, I am not in step one, two, or three. I'm doing things my way. It's never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing when I'm doing things my way. It just is a good little sign that stuff's about to get real. It's going to get hard. So I think I'm going to stop pretty soon. I just wanted to leave with saying that it's still an emotional thing when I walk into one of these 
kinds of West Side rooms. These were the first rooms that I came to. It was like Serenity Sunday and Brentwood and the Ocean Park meetings. And I have to say, I cannot imagine my life without OA. I don't really know what it would look like right now. I really don't want to. There's the most, the most incredible freedom with food now that normies don't even have that I have pretty much on a daily basis for almost, you know, like a decade and a half, more than a decade and a half. Um, I, I basically have a relationship with food that's very, very rare. So I owe that to OA. And if anybody asks, well, why do you keep coming? It's a long time. If you got better and you lost all the weight, why do you keep coming back? Because every single morning I forget everything that I just said. <laughs> every morning I forget everything I just said. And I need a plethora of sponsees. I'm there. I'm helping them know they're helping me. Everything I'm saying to them is so that I can remind myself what I really need to know for the rest of the day. And that's it. That's why I keep coming back. It's because I really like not binging. I just like to not binge. It's really fun fitting into clothing the same size for almost, you know, 17 years. It's awesome. Um, and I like not being a mean person. And I like not being miserable. And I like being honest. And I like generally keeping every commitment I make. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, David, for asking me. Thanks for oh, sorry. So question time. Any questions? Hi. Thank you very much for your share. You, you talked a little bit about um, how you pray you know, on your way to the meeting. I was wondering, when you wake up every morning and you've forgotten everything you just said, what is the, the first thing you do to recenter yourself and bring yourself back in the program? Okay, so the question was, when I wake up every morning, what is the way that I pray and recenter myself to remember everything that I forgot from the day before? Yeah. So this is what I do. I get up, and I say... Um, it's a prayer in a different language, so outside issue, but I say a prayer. And then, because I just love it, because it reminds me of my childhood, and it makes me feel close to the new higher power that I created. And then I roll out of bed. I make my bed. That's a huge part of my spiritual practice. I know that sounds probably very silly or kind of small. It's actually one of the biggest barometers for how I'm doing in life. It's kind of like, if my bed's been unmade for even three days in a row, whoa. Like there's way too much going on or I'm way too far from God or I'm way too far from program and I'm too tired and I'm doing too much work. So I make my bed, the first thing I do. And then I go outside on my porch and I have my notebook and I, I start to write uh, the third step out. And then I substitute for the, when it says, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will, relieve me of the bondage of self. I actually add in all my defects of character that day. I'll write in, like, lying, little white lies, little, little white lies, manipulating, strategizing, ruminating, worrying, um, people-pleasing, you know, like, all that stuff, you know, repressed anger, like, the whole list of defects that, that I will be working on forever, and they get better, but I write that, and then I say another little prayer, like a personal prayer. I just say, God, please, you know, like kind of like, please. And then if it's a really good day, which I have a lot of those lot back to back, I'm just like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so blessed. Like today was really, I wrote, I'm so, I'm so blessed. I was just really happy. It was a beautiful day. The birds were out. It was great. So that's what I do every day to start it off. Thank you so much for your share. Can you talk a little bit about um, your amends process and like which, which of the amends you made um, really changed or how they changed your recovery? 
Yes. Um, so I was asked to talk about my amends process and then which amends really were, like, life-shifting or, yeah. Um, okay. My amends. So coming in, I, w- I know I was really eating a lot, but I was also, like I said, a perfectionist. So I had, like, a list out the door of people I thought I owed an amends to. Um I over-amended. I, I, I went around to people that had no business getting an apology from me um, and made lots of appointments to teachers and, and, and lots of different characters in my life to say, I'm really sorry for, for doing this, this, and this. So um, that was with, I over-amended, so that was one part of my experience with the amends. And then the other part was really beautiful was this magical thing of cleaning my side of the street. So um, best friends, close friends that I really made everything about me for years, that felt really good to be like, um, this is my amends. I did not treat you as well as I needed to treat you or um, I owe you like a house. You know, like I like, <laughs> um, one friend, I mean, I owe everything. I mean, it was, she walked me through this this disease for years. Um, And I think my immense process felt like I can walk around the world and I know that I've I've done what I could to clean my side up. And most of my amends are really to me. I owe a lot of amends to me. Um, I I cleaned up any of the lying because there was like a lot of lying. And when I say lying, I mean like avoidance of truth and omissions and like this like sneaky thing that I would do. It's the same thing I would do with the food. So I cleaned up a lot of the lying and a little bit of stealing. I had a tendency to be a little bit of a klepto with food back in college. I cleaned that up. But really, I didn't like, I didn't cheat on any, I I didn't do, it was mostly um, personal wreckage. So my amends to myself was, took a lot. And it felt great. And now I kind of walk around, like I said, with a clear conscience. And I just continue my amends on my 10th every night. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you do when you don't feel willing? What do you do when you don't feel willing? That's the hardest part of life, I think. Um, You do nothing. You do nothing. There's nothing you can do. That's, there's a little bit of suffering there sometimes, for me at least, when I'm not willing. When I know something's hurting me and I'm not willing to pick up the tools or I'm just not willing to let it go because I still want to do that thing, um, there's nothing to do about it. It's just being patient and waiting and praying and do nothing. Like I have a sponsor in one other program who's always like, do nothing. He's like, just do nothing. And he's right. Sometimes as an addict, I, I want to do something, even about not being willing. I just want to figure it out and do something and fix it, and it only makes it worse. So that would be what I'm always told to do is just don't do anything. Just hands under, like just sit. And then the willingness will come, just like the abstinence will come. And the truth is, it's not really in my control. Whatever's going to happen to me the rest of today, I don't have any choice about except to float along like like I said like a little puppet so if I'm not willing I would this is literally what I would do God I'm really not willing do with that what you want what do you want you want me to be not willing more then that's that's what's going to happen that's it yes 
How has working this program helped me with my personal relationships? Uh, I, I think, I'm just thinking, I'm sorry, I'm just, it's a big, it's a broad question. So I'm just thinking, well, it brought me into two other rooms in a good way. Um, it's, it's helped me in every way. Like I said, I'm a much nicer person now. I mean, when you're, when you're too busy eating or, I mean, we're the most self-obsessed people. I'm the most self-obsessed person on the planet, like when I was in my trying to lose weight mode. I mean, it's just, there's no room for anything except what I look like or what my body looks like or what you think of my body or what they think of my body or what they're thinking they think of my body. It's just like this endless conversation. I'll, I'll be on the phone with newcomers who are trying to lose weight, and it's like, it's really, it's incredible. I mean, it's just a full head all day, 24-7, about how am I going to keep myself from overeating? How am I going to undereat today? How am I going to lose weight today? How am I going to not do that? It's incredible. So that was me for the first, you know, 20-whatever years of my life. So if you take that out, and then all of a sudden I'm a, an accountable person, and I'm a I'm an honest person, or more honest, doing the best that I can, and I'm listening and I'm present. People can trust me more. I, I trust me more. And I would say commitment is the biggest thing that this program gave me. When I, I, I could not keep a commitment to myself. So if I would say, I'm not going to eat this, I would, I would eat it. I could not trust my word. My word meant nothing. So by learning to keep tiny commitments and keeping them, my, my word is kept. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, um, and I'm a happier person, so my relationships are better because I'm happier. And I like being alive, and at least I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to die anymore. That's awesome. And I'm, so I'm nicer, and I'm happier, and I can be more of service to other people. Yeah. Yeah. You talked a little bit about health issues. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how that affects, or I don't know if you're still dealing with that or how it affected your food? how it affects it now and what you do about it. Yes, I had um, debilitating vertigo for, so I was bed, I couldn't walk for about a year or so, um, and I still have it a little bit now, but it's not as serious as it was. And the question you asked me is how having health problems affected my food, right? And what, and what I did. Um, hmm. It didn't really affect my food because uh, I was really sick, so I just ate whatever I could eat. Um... But I would definitely say that, let me just say, so health issues. When I have the flu or I have a cold, I always know I'm going to eat a little bit more. That's just, that's what's going to happen. So I'm going to, because my throat hurts, I'm going to want, like, something crunchy on my throat. There's, there's going to be times in my life when I'm going to eat a little bit more and it's a little uh, human. So I don't beat myself up when there's health issues or I'm just off. You know, when you're sick, you lose perspective. You don't, you're just you're not really as grounded and connected because you're sick. So I just give myself a lot of love during those periods. I don't, um, I'm not, like I said, I don't beat myself up, and I just stay connected to God. So during the vertigo thing that I had, I just stayed as connected as possible. That was more a real, a real spiritual test. Um, so the food was very backseat for me. It was more like, God, this is, this is scary. You know, where do you want me? And that actually brought me into a way deeper level of spirituality and program than I was before that health issue. So, yeah. Yep. Thank you, Cher. Yep. Can you delineate um, the where the diet 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so my abstinence is that I do not diet, which means I don't um, control, manage, or try to lose weight in, in any way. I don't try to manipulate my body. So that includes like any kind of bulimic-y weird behavior, like you know, uh, if I had a really big dinner the night before, I don't run the next day. If I um, I don't skip a meal, I don't do anything that's bulimic in nature of like damage control, and I don't diet. Um, the, the reason why it's clear for me with the line between that and my food plan is because my food plan, again, this is just my food plan, um, is uh, like a scone or, am I allowed to say food? A scone of muffin in the morning and then any kind of sandwich in the afternoon and then a bowl of soup with a roll with, with some kind of protein thing in it for dinner. I ate that almost for like two years and I, the reason why that worked for me was because I could do anything with that. I could eat any kind of sandwich, and I could eat any kind of soup, and I could mix it up, but I needed something that was self-contained because I was so flailing with food that I didn't know when to start and stop. So I needed something that was, like, itself, whole. And I also needed something that I could be in Japan or France or anywhere in the world, and I could find a version of that. You can find a sandwich anywhere on this planet. So I needed something that was not diety. And when I say food plan that means literally you know I eat whatever like I eat flowing and intuitively all year round and if I have a, an emotional day which happens like when it gets to this level like once every two years once a year that I go on my food plan again I go on it for about a day and I just eat that what I just mentioned for like a day and I'm rebooted I guess I just feel, I just feel reconnected I'm not thinking for a whole day about food or how much to eat or how much not to eat, if that makes sense. And, you know, some people I give my sponsors, they love the one on a plate. On a plate works really well. If you're having emotions and you're feeling crunchy and you're eating a little bit heavier, well, then for one day get on a food plan and eat everything on a plate, your three meals on one plate. And that's keeping it simple. Does that make sense? Okay. 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 I guess I'll follow up on that. Um, so whenever you're on your food plan, Um, so he asked if it's basically like when I'm going through the emotions, do I go on my food plan to to connect me? Yeah. It's basically I'm doing the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh, eighth and ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth step all day long, and I'm going along, and I'm absent, and I'm feeling really good, and I, I don't care about my body, I'm not thinking about food, and I'm just eating. I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I hang out with friends, and I just eat, like, with love, happily. Any kind of food I want. There's no restrictions. And then I stop when I'm not hungry, not when I'm full. So that's what it looks like, pretty much. If, like I said, if I have a couple of late nights back-to-back of crunchy, salty, creamy, buckets of things, bags, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like feeling a little like tighter in things and my brain's going to be like, oh my God, I feel tight. And the first thing it's going to want to do is lose weight. 
so my old disease is going to kick in for two seconds and say, what do we do? Like, ah! And that's what I recoil from as though a hot flame. The minute my head's like, ah, you look fat, we need to look like, like, ah! Like, I literally, I jump back. Sometimes I've, like, actually gone, like, whoa! And then I go on my food plan the next day to completely remove me from any conversation about doing anything about it. That's, that's what my food plan is like. It's like a, a reboot. Like for, for that 24 hours, we are not even talking. That disease and I, we are not having a conversation. We are, we are it's a bad neighborhood. And, and then usually it takes me about 24 hours, 48 hours, and then I'm like, the, the food, everything's digested. My body comes back to its natural weight. And Bob's your uncle. You know, I'm a happy camper again. Yeah. Thank you so much for your share. Um, can you talk about what uh, program looks like for you now in terms of meetings, how many and how often and what that's like? Yeah, okay, so you asked uh, what program looks like now with meetings and what it's like on a weekly, daily basis. Um, so I go to four meetings a week, approximately, sometimes six. I work... Um, Another main program and another one a little bit, but there's another main one. So I go to two and one, and I go to two to three in OA. I I love it. It's like my I don't I don't have that experience of oh my god, so many meetings. It's just so hard. I go to morning meetings. I love a morning meeting. I find recovery is really strong in a morning meeting. That's not to say a night meeting is not good to anyone that goes to night ones. I just find that it. Catching that disease like really early is is a good little is a good move. Um, that's when people are hopeful. <laughs> it's not after like it's not after a whole day in LA with like somebody yelling at them or somebody cutting them off or they ate an extra bite at lunch and they feel full and grumpy. Or, so the mornings are great. I would suggest that to anybody struggling or thank you so much. Um, and I go to a lot of meetings and I keep I keep coming back. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you guys so much.